0: Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host Leo Flowers, am Leo Flowers. This is the book review edition. Today I'm book reviewing all about love from Bell Hooks, uh, New Visions. Uh, and if you haven't read this book, it's powerful because it talks about love and how to connect to ourselves, to other people, and to our bigger purpose. And I love it because she defines love in this book in a way that makes it more accessible. On page 10, she defines love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. That's powerful because a lot of times, if you're like me, you grew up, feeling like love had to hurt, right? Your mom would beat you and or your, your dad would beat you or your, an adult would beat you or, or physically punish you and say, this hurts me more than it hurts you or I'm only doing this because I love you. So from our early age, we learned that love is either punitive or rewarding, right? Rewarding in a sense that people would only then say I love you when you did something that benefited them, when you did something nice for them, they're like, oh, I love you. You give them a gift. I love you. You do something that makes them feel good. I love you. And so we kind of had this reward-punishment relationship with love, and that's why I love Bell Hook's definition, which, uh, which isn't hers originally. I forget who she got it from, but once again, it's the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. And that's beautiful, because when you're in a relationship with someone, you wanna find someone who you feel like can nurture your spiritual growth. And and that word nurture is a key word because it means it requires work, it requires cultivation, it requires daily attention and care and responsibility and respect these are all the the parts of love that we really don't discuss typically love is is whittled down to a feeling of you know I I don't I don't feel like I'm in love with you anymore or I don't feel the love and love is really uh, an amalgamation I don't even know if amalgamation is the right word but a combination of respect care attention, responsibility, uh, and, and, you know, nurturing. And so s- nurturing another person's spiritual growth. And that word growth is, is one to be highlighted also because sometimes you'll find yourself in a relationship with someone or something, maybe even at your job, that is not interested in your growth. They might be intimidated, they might be fearful, they might um, be sabotaging of your growth. So to find someone who is nurturing of your growth and your spiritual growth, and and spiritual to me denotes your internal growth, you exploring yourself, being adventurous with your wants and needs and being able to express that, that that's powerful, right? Because, because the truth is you could grow out of the relationship with yourself, with your partner, with your work. And when I say with yourself, meaning that we're all, you know, running on a, a paradigm or blueprint, or routine of the way things need to be done, and at some point you might have to <clears throat> break up or evolve past that part of yourself. I was listening to a podcast with Dwayne Wade, and you know he spent I don't know twenty years of his thirty uh, years of his life playing basketball, and then to retire, he's now had now he has to evolve. And move forward and get past that and grow in another way whether that's a new business venture or new sport or as a family man and in marriage there are other ways that he now has to grow Um, and and so for some of us who have lost our jobs or been fired i've been fired a million times uh, it requires spiritual growth and so that might mean having to let things go, shed the skin that we've been walking around in, get rid of the mask, or or masks, plural, that we've been wearing. I know Michelle, my girlfriend, is walking around with two masks right now when we travel. So I love that definition. And on page, I have them all bookmarked here in front of me. On page 17, oh, all right, so we already talked about that, the reward and punishment. Um, She says that the part of the reason why we emphasize punishment so much when we're kids as it relates to love is that we don't realize that what we should be teaching is responsibility. And, you know, I'm, I'm being African-American and growing up in Chicago. My mom is from Belize and my dad's from Alabama. Punishment, being punitive, especially physically, that, that was par for the course. And what Bell Hooks is emphasizing in All About Love is that instead of physical punishment, we should be teaching kids responsibility, right? So, for instance, if a kid breaks something, instead of hitting the kid, which would be physical punishment, teach the kid to clean it up and or repair it and or get a job to replace it, thereby teaching the kid responsibility. Now, the kid will learn that when I make a mistake, I can make amends, I can reap and restore things to his natural order. If a kid breaks something or damages something or hurts something, and then there's only physical punishment, but there's no act of responsibility, then the kid learns to hide their mistakes. They withdraw. They, they tend to isolate. They don't open up. They don't ask for help. Because admitting that they've broken something, that they've hurt someone or someone or somebody has taught them that it leads to some type of physical punishment. But if we teach a kid responsibility, hey, all right, you said something that hurt this other person. How do you make amends? How do you apologize to this person so that we can move forward versus Me punishing you, suspending you from school, kicking you out from school, sending you to your room, et cetera, et cetera. How do we take responsibility for our actions? And this is an important lesson because as we become adults, the better we are at learning how to make amends, how to apologize, how to repair after there's been a rupture, that increases intimacy. That increases forgiveness. That increases compassion. That increases connectedness. And it reduces the anger, the isolation, the withdrawing, the shame, and the guilt. And those are all things that we know. And also fear, right? We no longer not not, now we're not going to fear punishment. We're going to embrace the opportunity to make amends, and we're going to step up and take responsibility. Um, And and I know for myself, like such a huge struggle and just owning up to everything that uh, I need to make amends for. Uh, and, and then she also, on page 34, and I really love this, she says, much of the lying people do in everyday life is done either to avoid conflict or to spare someone's feelings. And once again, that ties into how we were raised in that, yeah, we don't want conflict. We don't want to get hit. We don't want to get yelled at or screamed at because that's what we've learned as a kid. So we lie. We lie to avoid punishment. But once again, if we learn as a kid to take responsibility and ownership for what we've done, now, instead of avoiding conflict, we're going to confront, admit, share, and then repair. Right? And so also, you know, for people listening in, if you feel like someone has lied to you about something, this is an opportunity for us to have compassion for them, to understand that their history has been one of a punitive response when they told the truth, and the truth was something that, um, you know, was an admission of an error or a rupture that they have caused. And so they, they're trying to avoid that. So a lot of times the lying is out of fear, and not out of disrespect or, um, you know, because they think less than uh, of you or the relationship, they're, they're fearful of the consequences, so the better we get at uh, taking responsibility for what we've done and at admitting and, and sharing, um, then the more intimate we can become, which is also what bell hooks talks about uh, in the book all about love because that's the thing we all struggle I hope we wanted some love my, my favorite part in the book on page 53 she says if you do not love yourself you will un- you will be unable to love anyone else and that is a false so I I set that up all wrong my apologies in the book on page 53, and this is paperback that I, that I have, uh, she talks about how we all heard the maxim, quote, if you do not love yourself, you will be unable to love anyone else. And she's saying that this is false. It's completely false. Because we only learn how to love in relationships with other people. We don't learn to love independently, right? Like, you like, I, there's no way I can learn to love a plant or a pet unless I have a plant or a pet. And just because um, maybe I'm struggling with loving myself doesn't mean that, um, I'm, gonna, that the, I'm gonna kill the plant. There are plenty of, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics who have green thumbs and have these beautiful gardens and uh, uh, pets and animals and, and things that they take care of but they may be struggling with loving and taking care of themselves so it's not true and and so for people out there who are on this hamster wheel of self-care and believing that well I can't be in a relationship until I I clear up my addictions and I get all my resentments out the way and I make amends and I do a b and c and, and I'm this perfect human being no, it's in relationships that we learn to grow, that we learn to nurture, that we learn to love, that we learn responsibility, that we learn to show up for each other, right? Um, there on page 136, Bell Hook says, there is no special love exclusively reserved for romantic partners. Genuine love is the foundation of our engagement with ourselves, with family, with friends, with partners, with everyone we choose to love. So what I love about that is if we're going along this with the definition of love is about nurturing the spiritual growth in ourselves and in other people, um, then it's not just about romantic relationships. It's also about friendships. It's also about work relationships. Every relationship that you have can fall in, and hopefully would fall under that category. And, and that's a good way to wean out what relationships you want to nurture and which ones maybe you want to take a few steps back from. Or there are some relationships that you go, okay, I need to work on that. I need to work on nurturing the spiritual growth in this relationship because once again, It's not exclusively reserved for romantic partners, right? Genuine love is the foundation of our engagement with ourselves, family, friends, with partners, and with everyone we choose to love. Choose to love. Choose to love. So love is a choice. It's not something that is, uh, you know, granted from the gods or, uh, you know, in the stars. It's a choice, We get to choose who we want to nurture spiritual growth in, who we want to be responsible for, who we want to care for. Um, These are choices. So we're not at odds to the butterfly feelings in our stomach, which, you know, Bell Hooks, I love, she talks about that that's more of a cathexis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that word right, but she says that, this idea of being drawn to someone is not love. We, we, we it's more of a cathexis. C a t h x i s, I believe. And, and, and a cathexis is just based on our programming, and it doesn't mean that we have to support it or, or and go on that path. Like there are times where I'm craving donuts, right? But (laughs) I'm drawn to donuts. But it doesn't mean that I should eat the donuts. It's just something I'm drawn to based off my conditioning. But love, as bell hooks describe it, is a choice. A choice, right? So it's beautiful. She says on page 136, had I been evaluating my relationship from a standpoint that emphasized growth? Rather than duty and obligation, I would have understood that abuse irreparably undermines bonds. Woo! Get out of here. Get out of here. So I I really thoroughly enjoyed this book, All About Love by Bell Hooks. Um, And on page 191, she talks about how love makes us feel more alive living in a state of lovelessness we feel we might as well be dead it's true and she quotes this guy eric Fromm, who says why is the human race um so enamored why why are we so into necrophilia over biophilia and and i want (laughs) to i want to hang my hat on that for a second you know so necrophilia is you know the the uh, attraction to dead bodies and biophilia is the affinity for life and it's true because when someone dies oh my god we all gather around we throw a funeral we throw a funeral (laughs) that'd be funny throw a funeral uh we have a funeral (laughs) we have a wake and there's roses and condolences and people get up and talk about how much they love this person so in a way We are more into necrophilia. We are more attracted to dead bodies. Because when that person was alive, nobody, you know, and they threw a party, they were like, it's my birthday. How many people showed up? Not even half of those people, right? Um, But, you know, now that the person's dead, now everybody's there. And condolences and suited and booted and, you know, it's their whole day and they, they canceled all their plans to be there and for the wake and to be supportive and you know uh, posting on their facebook and social media all these things we're so much more into necrophilia than we are into biophilia where where are the flowers where is the love and support where were all these people when this person was alive right you know when i when you called where, where were the, the people who responded to the phone calls late at night or to help, help this person move or to listen to their pain and sorrows? So we, we have to get out of this place of uh, waiting until somebody dies to show them love and, and show them love while they're here, while they're alive, right? It's, you know, to, to sh- let the tears flow, to be emotional. Why is it okay that we can only be emotional with a person after they've passed? Show them the love, show up for them, be attentive for them. Listen to them, right? Um, and you know, we, we have this we have this fascination with death, you know, ac- according to all about love, and, and I agree with this. On page 196, she talks about, you know, to live fully we would need to let go of our fear of dying. That fear can only be addressed by the love of living. We have a long history in this nation of believing that to be too celebratory is dangerous, that being optimistic is foolhardy. Hence our difficulty in celebrating life and teaching our children and ourselves how to love life. And I know I struggle with this. I'm not going to put this on the world I struggle with celebrating, I, I struggle with patting myself on the back. I struggle with the old uh, boys kind of deal. And I read a lot of uh, obituaries, and I think that, that you know the news is so good at letting us know how many people died and the catastrophes that yeah, I'm walking around with a fear of dying. And there's so many, you know Netflix shows that are about serial killers whether it's a, a docu- documentary. Or a series, or a movie. There's, there's, uh, a, you know, always a slasher series that's out there. There's somebody in your house. There's someone behind you. There's someone under your bed. There's someone in your like, you know, <laughs> there's someone everywhere. The, the the stranger beside you, uh, you know, uh, so there's just so many things that the media and the news are trying to scare us of and in reality it's preventing us from celebrating life from loving life from traveling uh Duane wade um, on a podcast was talking about a friend of his who was waiting to retire before she started traveling and until that time she was liking and commenting on her other friends photos of his travels and she's like once i retire i'm going to retire in two years and then I'm going to travel the world. And I'm going to see all those things. And then a month after she retired, she passed away. And that's not to give you a fear of death. It's to say, don't wait to love. If there's something that you love right now that you're clamoring for right now, build towards it. You know, Go do it. it it's, in your, it's in your genes. Um, celebrate your life today. Celebrate your wins. You know, we got a new year right now, 2022. Celebrate your 2021. The fact, that, the fact that you just, no, I know it was rough for a lot of us, but the fact that you made it to 2022, let's be honest. Some of us didn't think we were going to make it to 2022. For whatever reason, we have to celebrate that. Um, because on page 204, Bell Hooks says that our appointment with life is in the present moment. right, everything we seek can only be found in the present. That to abandon the present in order to look for things in the future is to throw away the substance and hold on to the shadow. To be here now does not mean that we do not make plans, but that we learn to give the making of future plans only a small amount of energy. And once future plans are made, we release our attachment to them. I love that, right? Because accepting death with love means we embrace the reality of the unexpected, of experiences over which we have no control. Love empowers us to surrender. I love that, right? So we have to let go of the the future, forget about the past, and be in the present. Because that is what matters. And, And love where we are now so that we're not worried about what's going to happen a week from now or 10 years from now or regret what's happened in the past. Love the moment that you're in. Take in the sights. Take in the smells. Look around you. Notice things that you haven't seen before. What do you hear that you haven't heard before? What do you taste? What do you smell? What, what are those olfactory senses kicking up? I bought some eucalyptus leaves that I hung upside down in my shower. Shout out to Justin May Paluso for that idea. And now every time I get in the shower, I get this cool scent of eucalyptus. It's the, it's the best smell in the world. And it wakes me up and it brings me into the present moment. This is the importance of getting outside. Hearing the birds, even hearing traffic, you know, depending on where you are, or a babbling brook, or the waterfalls, or waves, to see the sun set or or rise. Always, <laughs> for some reason, I always. Anytime I say sunset first, I'm like, wait, what's the other one? If I say sunrise, I, I know what the other one uh, is. But, but that's what it's about. It's about loving the present moment. And I know that some of us might be suffering. And right now it's so painful. On page 210 in the uh, paperback edition of All About Love, addi- I say addiction edition of, of All About Love, uh, my boy James Baldwin, she quotes James Baldwin. And this is from his book, The Fire Next Time. He says, I do not mean to be sentimental about suffering, but people who cannot suffer can never grow up, can never discover who they are, end quote. Growing up, and I'm going to continue reading from the, the, the paragraph, growing up is at heart the process of learning to take responsibility for whatever happens in your life. To choose growth is to embrace a love that heals. I Listen, I know... That the suffering hurts. But if we're lucky, we get to choose our suffering. You know, I try to get my, my not try, my intention is to get 10,000 steps in a day. And there are days where I don't want to do it. And there's a, a mental suffering. However, after I do it, oh, 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 no more suffering for Leo Flowers. There's only peace and tranquility. However, that peace and tranquility does not <laughs> doesn't last. It doesn't last at all, right? Um, but suffering is a part of life, and it's a part of love. So, don't it, it? You know, I don't want to sell you on when we love everything is peaches and roses. Suffering is a part of growth. It's a part of that spiritual growth that we talked about in the beginning and it's a part of love right and this is also on page 210 in all about love she says and while it has been crucial for collective self-recovery that we have exposed and continue to, to expose dysfunction it is equally important to revel in and celebrate its absence and so here she's talking about the fact that on television and media there are so many displays of dysfunctional families. And the issue with that is it makes us feel like there are no loving or functional families in existence. I feel like every family is a soap opera family where they look good on the outside and they're killing each other on the inside or killing themselves on the inside, whether it's food, drugs, alcohol, sex, right? And because of this, these lack of role models of loving and functional families, we tend to think that dysfunction is par for the course, that is ubiquitous, that we're all experiencing that, and it's not true. And it makes us settle for less, right? And so Bell Hooks says, unless we can all imagine a world in which the family is not dysfunctional, but is instead a place where love abounds, we doom family life to be always and only a site of woundedness. Ooh, woundedness. She goes on to say, in functional families, individuals face conflict, contradictions, times of unhappiness, and suffering, just like dysfunctional families do. The difference lies in how these issues are confronted and resolved and how everyone copes in moments of crisis. Healthy families resolve conflict without coercion, shaming, or violence. I want to highlight that last sentence. Healthy families resolve conflict without coercion, shaming, or violence. Right? And, and that's beautiful. How does your family resolve conflict? How do you resolve conflict? Are you using force? Are you blaming and shaming, are you physically threatening people, or, or are you actually having intimate conversations and being vulnerable and leading with emotions and sharing and working collaboratively on how to repair and restore whatever's happened in the relationship? Because if there's coercion and force and, and blame, then what happens is we experience shame. And when we experience shame in a relationship, whether it's uh, with a romantic partner or at home or growing up, then we're going to isolate and withdraw. We're we're not going to share. And so we need that therapeutic dialogue uh, and, and to empty the ego so that we can connect, right? And On page 217, she talks about when we judge, we are less able to forgive. And I highlight that because if we grew up with shame, then we learn how to shame others. And then we also learn how to shame ourselves. And shame breaks and weakens us, keeping us away from the wholeness healing offers. When we practice forgiveness, we let go of shame. Embedded in our shame is always a sense of being unworthy. It separates. Compassion and forgiveness reconnects us. So a lot of times, you know, I know for myself, I experience so much shame over my eating or other habits that I'm trying to break. And the way to reconnect with myself and to reconnect with others Is through compassion and forgiveness. And compassion can look like just understanding of, I understand, Leo, why you did A, B, and C. You you did that because of B, E, and F, right? And whatever that is. So, for instance, I know that when I don't get a good night's sleep or my routine is off or I ate something that, you know, might – dysregulate me or cause some type of irritation or allergy, it can, it can affect my mental clarity and my mood. And so the ability to make amends both to ourselves and to others is the gift compassion and forgiveness offers us. It is a process of emptying out when we let go all the waste so that there's a clear place within where we can see the other as ourselves. This is such a, a powerful book, you know, because at the end of this book, you, you're left feeling hopeful and optimistic, right? And, uh, and also, she talks about sensuality, but we're not going to go into that. But uh, I, I highly recommend this book um, at the end on page 230, because I know a lot of people who are, if you are wanting to find love, right? you're seeking love, if you're feeling unloved, uh, then there's also some suffering that goes with that, feelings of loneliness. And uh, therefore, you're probably not experiencing any sense of peace, which is what we all love also. And on page 230, she talks about peace is found not in the absence of challenge, but in our own capacity to be with hardship without judgment prejudice, and resistance. We discover that we have the energy and the faith to heal ourselves and the world through an open-heartedness in this movement. End quote. This is beautiful because what she's saying here is that you have, that we have inside of us the energy and faith to heal ourselves and the world through an open-heartedness. All we have to just. Show up with an open heart. We have to. That means a bit of vulnerability, which I know in some circles can be uh, a a sign of weakness or naivete. But when we show up with an open heart, right, and and realize and accept that it's going to be challenging. Remember, she said, peace is found not in the absence of challenge, but in our own capacity to be with hardship without judgment. So, it is. Peace is found in challenging situations, but not judging it, right? And can we sit with it? Can we sit with the fact that this is challenging? Not impossible. There are some things that are impossible, right? But if it's challenging, peace is found in your ability to sit with it and to be with it and not judge it. No prejudice, no resistance, accepting that this is challenging and we're going to move forward anyway. Because in that, we'll find that we have the energy and the faith to heal ourselves and the world around us. And, and that's where I'm going to end the book review right there. This book, All About, All About Love by Bell Hooks, is a, a powerful book quick read. I wouldn't say a quick read because there's so many things I highlighted. It's a short book. It's uh, 237 pages. But there's so many things that I I highlighted and took notes on and that I had to marinate on and and think about. And and it's definitely a book I'm going to read a few more times. Uh, So check it out. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of "Before You Kill Yourself: The Book Review uh, Edition." Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help. For you, calling the one eight hundred S U I C I D E or one 273 talks, or the other phone numbers that, if you are listening via podcast, that are listed in the show notes. I'll also put a few numbers in the YouTube uh, video for this. Please subscribe. Share, like, thumbs up, and let's get to tomorrow together.